What's up, everybody? This is Jesse. <laughs> Jen is just yawning into the mic as I'm starting. <laughs> It just started what and then the you hell? started. What did you have for lunch? Uh, everything. We just got back from lunch, guys. Oh. Um, so today no, we no, don't keep that. Start we're, over. We're, no, we're keeping that. Today we're talking a little bit about deconstruction. Uh, quick side note. Uh, Clearly, I, I'm excited about it. Yeah, we. <laughs> Jen is falling asleep. Um, anyway, so yeah, we're going to talk all things deconstruction and uh, whether it's good thing to do, bad thing to do, how to do it, um, how to get out of it, maybe a little bit of that kind of stuff. So. Um, dig in, grab a drink. We're drinking stuff from Rockford, Michigan, Michigan. today. So grab something, drink along with us, and uh, oh, yeah, deconstruct you bitches. <laughs> Hello, everybody. What's up? Hi. Welcome. Oh, to Christian <laughs> AF. We're just slow starting post lunch. Post lunch, we ate too much. <laughs> we ate Podcast. way too much. All right. Well, welcome. And we, now we have I to feel drink like beer. It's actually been a bit. I feel like it's been a bit since we recorded last. They just heard our voices a week. And I know half you guys ago. don't know. We have yeah. we pre-recorded several ones in the last couple of weeks, and then now we're back. We're back. We're back. Are we? <laughs> Nobody feels like we're back right now. Yeah, right. Evan um, ate his weight in wings. So <laughs> there were a lot of wings. So you didn't finish like, them all. I didn't finish. I, I, I left one out one. there. I was that's like, so, that's, one that's straggler. That uh, and they were breaded wings, so it's like a extra. If it was normal, reason? no. If it was normal, if it was normal wings, you could crush them. But the, you had like the batter to it. it <laughs> Just daunting. It, yeah, it, it's a, like cement in the belly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at least there was chicken, which is healthy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh uh i feel like habaneros are healthy yeah i mean especially is, has some health benefits i don't know what that is what makes peppers hot oh. <laughs> um all right well before we get into it as you know we're gonna go through our drinks today uh so what happened what jesse's gonna give announcements as we go along <laughs> and next sure, and next <laughs> moving on from that hot mess um so uh, I recently went to Rockford, Michigan for vacation. Why not? Vacation land, USA. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it was it was good. It was fun. Uh, there's a lot of breweries out there, obviously. So we tried to hit a lot of them. And it I took your kind of vacation. They just drank yeah, the yeah, whole time. Yeah, yeah. It is Pretty much hit every brewery we saw. Um, so we're going to be drinking a few of those, uh, this podcast. From uh, Rockford. From Brewing. Rockford Brewing Company. Not to be confused with Prairie Street Brewing. <laughs> How many in Rockford? Uh, the fun part was, I, so we went in, if you guys don't know the history of this, or if you're from in town or not, uh, so Prairie Street Brewing opened Company. initially as Rockford Brewing Company uh, when they first opened, reopened. Well, it was, used to be called that. It was, right, yeah, it was Rockford Brewing Company back in Many 1902 or When it truly yeah. was built. Um, so they did that and then they were sued by Michigan Rockford's Brewing Company, Rockford Brewing Company. Uh, for the name. So they, they had to switch it. Uh, so I went, we figured we were, we actually went to Grand Rapids for vacation. And then uh, it was a hop, skip, and jump away to visit Rockford. So sorry. why not? I did. I had already started to do it. And yeah, then I, thanks. sorry. Uh, so we went there and uh, I proceeded to tell the bartender uh, 
I was from Rockford where they sued because uh, I thought it was funny, and he just seemed very awkward about it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh. I was Did like, he yeah. know anything about it? Oh, yeah. He's he's like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is he the owner? Just no, I don't know. I don't know if he was the owner or not, but <laughs> I, was just, Clearly. I, th- I thought it was funny. I was like, I came here to try your beer because of that, so that's I mean, yeah. I'm not mad. Yeah, we'll see. I didn't own it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it uh, Rockford was a fun little city. Lots to do. I would actually consider moving there. Yeah. Um, from Rockford to Rockford. You're just going to move from one Rockford to the next Rockford. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so today, uh, Evan and I are both drinking Fuzzy Nugs, mm-hmm. which sounds is so it, great. Is it, um, what? Is it like a play on like like testicles? I would. I mean, that's or how like I read it. Chicken nuggets. Uh, yeah, that's I, Fizzy Grizz or whatever it's called. <laughs> fizzy Grizz. What's it? The... <laughs> burger chokes and it doesn't say anything about the um, beer on there Evan just read into it oh yeah so it's uh, it's brewed and packaged by Rockford Brewing Company in Rockford Michigan uh, but it's under a special agreement by a place called Taft's in Cincinnati so I'm not sure if maybe that's where the nugget hops come from because it says we scored a fresh bag of nugget hops to make this brew nugs so i wonder were if they fuzzy uh, when they got them yeah i don't know like moldy i mean i don't know the beer's not bad i mean I like mold is probably good like like so? is there a healthy mold like like I mean, there's cheese. healthy mushrooms cheese is basically right it's mold. just a fungus right isn't mold just a fungus yeah sure. so is mushrooms anyway we eat that i didn't actually take a picture i'll take a picture of it later too um i also stopped by well, well i'll talk about that in a second but we're gonna drink at some point uh uh, beer church brewing as well. Yeah. Um, Ponch's pilot. Save we it should for just, the next one. We should just should change I? our church. Yeah. Name right, I'll save it later. Beer church. Okay. Everyone calls us the beer church anyway. That's true. They do. So why not just embrace right. it? Okay. Which well, I'm church. drinking from Rockford <laughs> next, Brewing. <where>? She hands <laughs> stout. Next, Jen will tell us. And um, <laughs> it's all right. It's not my favorite stout. Kinda it's a little. It. Um, I'm gonna say like uh, it's a little like one notey. They're not but the they're not. I wouldn't say they're my favorite beer. Coffee but stout. It's just a regular stout, but that tends to have they weren't a little bad. bitter coffeeness. The cool part about that area and that space. Uh, I mean, Michigan as a whole, we found this a lot, but uh, Rockford had this little spot where it was uh, blocked off where you can actually shop and drink. Like, like take your anytime. Drinks out with it you. wasn't like just allotted to the certain day. That would be nice. It was yeah. kind of cool. It was just like you stay on these like blocks Vegas, in these areas. Can't people do that in Vegas? Yeah. You just take well, their yeah, drinks everywhere? Pretty much anywhere, yeah. Yeah, we used to do that in Columbus, Georgia when we lived there. It, I don't it's dislike kinda, no, it. It's a just a little... Like bitters and yeah. like coffee. It's a little one notey. It's not bad. It's very coffee-y. Um, just, yeah. But uh, yeah, that that was like one of the cooler parts. Like there's little hangout areas and shopping and things you could do. Grab a beer, walk around. There's a few other fun. little spots, little wine things. You could grab something and keep going. So yeah. Rockford, our Rockford needs Illinois. to get on that. Yeah. Our Rockford needs to get on a lot of stuff. Like, like roads. Did it have like, was that all in like a, a cute. <laughs> get the roads. Yeah. Was that all in yeah. like a cute main street kind of an area where you could do that? Like that's kind of what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. Right. So, or like downtown Madison, like State Street in Madison where they close off yeah. from cars and you have all. Correct. These, right. That's we don't right. have a street like that where you. But you could do that on State Street. Like, every yeah, but, brew house. You know, except like, everybody complains. But they're not going to close all the, the traffic in, off. In this town. No, they didn't. It's, it was open traffic. Okay. It wasn't well, closed State off. State Street in Madison is no traffic. Oh. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because people no. in this town lose their mind if you block a road. Yeah. No, it like, was it was open well, driving. What about like, you okay. drive through small business. Just gotcha. for drinking's sake, you you had to stay within the bounds of that was marked. So yeah. um but that was cool. Yeah, we don't I mean we have like four downtowns here. Like we have we have this one over here in state, we have Main Street, we have Broadway, we have Seventh Street. It's like four different downtowny vibey places. So which one's gonna be the cool none fun one? Broadway? No. <laughs> <laughs> Main Street's probably your best bet. Probably. Yeah. Anyway, nobody cares about that. They don't live oh, here. Oh, I did start watching <laughs> finally. I'm on season three of Breaking Bad. Oh had you never seen it? No. Oh. It's okay. It gets good. Keep it's going, okay. man. I'm yeah, yeah. It's we're, the best. We're gonna go through it. Still one of my favorites, I think. It's I for me. It's like a quarter as good as Dexter. <laughs> it's, Dexter's. So it's, I love Dexter. Yeah. Dexter season one through four. Dopey. Yeah, that's like the charm of Dexter. Um, that's why I couldn't get through it. It's yeah. so good. It's so dopey. It's yeah. so good. It's so and like the a lot of the uh, funny and dark didn't age well. Some of the comedy. Yeah. The talking. Um, which I love. I love like Psych, where it's all like, "Do you just say the fag word? <laughs> you like can't you say, say that if you follow that with the word." <laughs> <laughs> which yeah, they yeah. did in uh, Jingle All the Way as well. That word's in there. Oh yeah, we just noticed that the other day. Yeah. I was like, so, "Oh, oh, oh!" You're watching Jingle All the Way in July. In <laughs> no, the other, the other day, day, six months ago, when it was Christmas. <laughs> it's like I love this movie. It's, it's all. It's a year rounder. Guys, family, get over here. Yeah. <laughs> we, we gotta watch Arnold. Um, all all <laughs> Phil Hartman, R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what yeah, was, was that? One of his last big ones? That was his last movie. Was it? I think yeah. Mm. Not a good way to go out. No, no. I mean both sides, but the movie. Talk about that's something that that would be interesting. Uh, where would like Phil Hartman, Chris Farley? Um, wasn't there another guy who died in the 90s? Kurt Cobain. Well, no, his, no. Well, he did die. <laughs> yeah. But like comedian, like, I guess Phil Hartman and Chris Farley, like, where would they be? Like, yeah, have you ever thought if about that? Yeah. I feel like Chris Farley's shtick probably would have gotten old, kind of like Adam Sandler's shtick, but he might have been able, he's smart enough to, he was smart enough to reinvent himself. Adapt. Phil Hartman, I feel like, would have been a legend for years to come. Yeah, probably. She'll never know. We'll never so next know. we're going to... Because his wife <laughs> shot him in the head. <laughs> Speaking of Kurt Cobain. <laughs> yeah. Jesse just um, has like a timer for each section yeah. of the show now. Yeah. He's like... I see it like tick by. It's like, it's time on. to move on to the next part. Um, okay. So today we uh, have decided to talk about what some would consider this podcast is about. Yeah. Um, which maybe we'll address that throughout the episode, but we're going to talk about con- deconstruction. Yeah. You're going to talk about construction. construction. <laughs> Lumber. Building <Yeah>. trades. <laughs> deconstruction. Um, so we're talking about deconstruction today and a little bit about uh, its background, where it came from, yeah. what it is. Is it healthy to stay in or do? Yeah. All that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Like, so. is there a way, because I, you know, you hear people, I can't help but internally roll my eyes when somebody says they're deconstructing, I'm just like, okay, keep my eyes focused straight because it's like, it's kind of turned into a buzzword, right? It's it's like a, it's like missional church. When someone says, "Oh, we have really like a small missional church," I'm like, okay, hmm. sure you are. Like it's a it's a buzz, and that's what we claim to be. <laughs> but <laughs> it's still 
but it's like these anytime there's like a word that becomes a buzzword um it gets annoying and i think deconstruction has become a buzzword and you can make a pretty compelling argument that's also just an excuse not to go to church yeah i've been trying to do that since i've been deconstructing <laughs> right uh, it's a or or to leave your church ah you know i'm just struggling with my faith right now so i'm so I'm going to do the thing I probably shouldn't do is leave. and stop going to church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. So should we start with, I guess, what the, uh, the general thought of what actual deconstruction is? Like, do you have that about, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, I have no idea. Okay, cool. That was good. <laughs> Next, we're going to talk <laughs> um, on this, on this section. <laughs> well, I no, guess, like, yeah. cause we, I guess more recently been referring to our Self says this podcast is a re- reconstructionist podcast, or right? a renovationist, a renovationist yeah. podcast, that kind of thing. All, all good terms. A Willardian, Dallas uh, Willard. <laughs> he, uh, he wrote a book called Renovation of the Heart, which is actually really good. Probably twenty some odd years ago, hmm. thirty years ago, um, which actually addresses not so much this, but a lot of like spiritual formation and spiritual growth. Um. No, but deconstruction to me, you can go back to the, the kind of the roots of deconstruction are found in uh, Nietzsche, you know, uh, Fred, the, the kind of... The what, DJ? Yeah, the DJ. DJ. Um, <laughs> uh, but the uh, there are three philosophers known as kind of like the, the three big skeptics uh, of the world. Uh, it's Nietzsche, uh, Karl Marx, and... Freud, um, three philosophers in the 19th century who um, were atheistic in nature. Obviously, Marx, for sure, Marx and Nietzsche were atheists. Freud, that's up for debate. He probably claimed he was an atheist, but his his philosophies weren't really atheistic. But uh, with Nietzsche, uh, who is famous for uh, uh causing the greatest movie ever made to be made called God is not dead or whatever. God's not dead. <laughs> Which That's is some like Christian movie that I should. You've know. never heard of God's not dead. Have you? The song. You've never heard of the movie. No, I mean, not I've heard of the movie, but I probably shut it down. Ba- the second that, I heard of it. Yeah. You it's know that song? Did you watch it's that it? song? Yes, I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the story behind God's not dead. It was, we moved to Alabama. We only had two movie theaters that, had two screens each. So it was like old school mm-hmm. um, in our town. And one of the screens, so we had seen the other three movies playing in town. We had not seen God's Not Dead. Never oh, heard Kevin of it. Sorbo, yes. Is it? He plays the philosopher Wait, or the like professor. Tarzan? Or uh, uh, Her- what's his name? Hercules. Hercules. Right? Yeah, yeah, Kevin okay. Sorbo. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I've never seen. Okay. I've never watched. We got to do a review, another review, obviously. <laughs> So anyhow, so Nietzsche famously writes the in I can't remember which book, but he famously writes God is dead, right? We've successfully in our society we've killed off God. And it's almost kind of a warning. Nietzsche's kind of warning society against becoming overly secularized, even though he did not believe in God. He's warning that, you know, we're gonna start seeing a whole bunch of like the world's gonna kind of get out of out of hand. Because there's not going to be like a moral center. Sorry, I just was reading about the movie, and it says it grossed over sixty-two million. Hell yeah! On a two million dollar budget. <laughs> oh my gosh! 
That's why they made three of them. There's God's Not Dead 2, God's Not Dead 3, which is like about Trump or something. The film was criticized for its screenplay, Kronk's directing, performances, mean-spirited tone, characters, and using straw man arguments that uh, and common stereotypes of atheists instead of any actual debate. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's four of them. Oh, there's God's four. Not Dead 2. God's Not Dead, A Light and Darkness. We don't need to go God's Not this. Dead, We the People. We the People. That's like the the, the coronavirus one. Oh, <laughs> good Lord. We have to watch them all. Back to like it would just I will be very night. drunk by the end. We're gonna right, do Saturday. Oh, you guys geez. busy Saturday? Well, <laughs> this is we'll a terrible binge these puppies. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Um, so, yeah. Keep going, keep going. Right. And so this uh these three philosophers, obviously Marx with socialism, uh Marxism. Uh the funny thing is is they're also and then Freud with his, his sexuality and stuff, but the uh with uh specifically Nietzsche and Marx, they I think unintentionally uh, influence kind of the brutality of the 20th century. Uh, like Nazism is Nazism is uh, is Nietzscheism. I mean, they they believe in the Ubermensch. The that's kind of the whole point of mm-hmm. which is a Nietzschean thing. And then Marx, obviously, with communism. But the but it, it builds a kind of it influences a society of uh, where the life and purpose begin to lose itself. Like what is the purpose of things? What's the purpose of life for Marx? It would be, uh, to work and to contribute to your nation society for Nietzsche. It would be willing to, you know, become a greater person. Then you get into the 20th century of people like Ayn Rand, who is like, like hardcore Nietzscheist, even though she's, she wasn't a Nazi, but anti anti uh uh charity um anti altruism the way a good society is built is you um you focus on yourself and if everybody just focused on themselves and didn't care about anybody else then society would be good which obviously is flawed on many mm-hmm. many levels um but then you get to the 1950s and uh you get to the philosophy of a french philosopher called Jacques Derrida and Jacques Derrida uh comes up with this philosophy of deconstruction. Uh, he recognizes in the world that the world is losing meaning. People are losing meaning in things. You know, we've just gotten out of two world wars in the past 30 years. Uh, the world seems to be going to hell in a handbasket. So he develops this philosophy called deconstruction, which was a way to find meaning within texts. So within books and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so highly influential, specifically, uh, the criticisms um, uh, with biblical criticism, and then it goes back to uh, you know German high higher criticism and liberalism, German liberalism. But the by Derrida, it comes down to uh, can we deconstruct all the stuff in the text, like the actual words we're reading? Can we deconstruct it down to a place where we could find meaning? Can we find meaning? And in in theory, this is good. For instance, in, in Christian theology or biblical studies, we would say, you know, the best way to understand, say, the book of Genesis is to understand the context in in which it was written and the purpose for which it was written. And the only way to do that, the only way to do that is to deconstruct down and have that historical and textual and contextual criticisms. Now, the criticism of Derrida what is obvious. 
that it comes up with a highly individualistic meaning of things. Um, and it was really his philosophy that gave way to uh, postmodernism and postmodern thought where everybody has like, speak your truth. I speak my truth. Like, you know, you know, kind of where we're at today, uh, postmodernism and this idea of everything is relative, everything, there's no such thing as actual truth. It's just what you, th- what you derive meaning from something is true rather than what truth actually is. And this bled into, uh, I, I think in the nineties, late nineties, early two thousands, uh, kind of a movement of young Christian people deconstructing their faith. But I think at that point it was more of deconstructing their expression of faith. Hmm. Right. It was like, Oh, I'm tired of the hymns and like the Sunday school and the pews. So what happens? You deconstruct away from that and you build cool rock band churches mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and now the opposite is kind of happening, but instead of what, instead of uh, what we're seeing in the going back to this, a lot of, a lot of like, I guess, committed Christians are leaving evangelicalism for like more uh, traditional churches. But I think by and large, we're starting to see a lot of young people uh, see what Christianity has become, specifically conservative evangelicalism and liberal Christianity. They're both two sides of the same coin. Like they're both highly political um, and both highly wrong in many areas. <clears throat> and they're just choosing to leave their faith altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the faith crisis idea has become more and more uh, attuned or more and more popular, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so now we're in this age of deconstruction, you know, where so many young people, young Christians are searching for that meaning of their faith and how can they reconcile their faith with new philosophies, new sexualities, identities, science, things like that. And they find it very, very difficult to reconcile the two. I think for me, like the, <clears throat> the more healthy side of it, again, for me has been the podcast mm-hmm. for us. Um, like, I I feel like th- I've, I've felt that need to like walk away from the church and walk away from faith many times throughout yeah. my life. And the natural thought would be because of, of nothing making sense. Right. Like, and nobody is really pushed into digging apart your belief system rather than yeah. saying like deconstruction, like you said, kind of to most people means leaving a thing. Yeah. It's not becoming in. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's no longer about finding meaning, but deconstruction has become really about demolition. Yeah. Let's demolish the whole thing. Well, and that's what I think, again, like paired up with the whole, uh, when the, when people started going to the megachurch culture by deconstructing, essentially, mm-hmm. I think it's it's the wrong focus again. And that's why you see the turnaround now of people leaving that now, yeah. because you're like missing the point of why you're having the need to deconstruct and feel like you're not really <clears throat> following with it, you yeah. know, but like... And that's I, I think that's where there's the whole again our push of reconstruction and and re renovation or whatever we want to call it is is to take it apart and say like well what is the foundation of this and why is it built this way and yeah. what can make it better and why is it wrong right now to me or why does it make sense here not here mm-hmm. and I think people just don't want to do the yeah. the heavy lifting of that yeah and I I think there is the there is one true thing about deconstruction is that the cause is never the gospel. 
right? Mm. It's never Jesus. It's not like, oh, this Jesus guy. Oh, I don't know. And it's always people. It's always something else. It's always some sort of external influence that is taking place that is causing uh, so many young people to deconstruct. Um, and uh, Mark, John Mark Comer, um, did a really good talk about deconstruction. He came up with six uh, inputs, six different uh, inputs that contribute to our deconstruction. Three of them are, are what I would call internal or what are controllable, so we can control whether or not we allow that input to come in. And then three of them are external or uncontrollable, where you have to put up some defenses against, right? Uh, and so the first one is, I think, in our culture, uh, especially church culture, there is a lack of reverence for God, right? Um, uh, I think we th- we assume that worshiping and putting our hands in the air is reverence, but that only lasts for like 30 minutes on, on a Sunday, uh, and you don't go about your week revering God, thinking about God constantly, mm-hmm. right? God doesn't really exist in your day-to-day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um it's more of a deistic. We've become more of a deistic people where we be like, yeah, we believe in God, but he's probably not around or, yeah. or we don't live as, as, as though he exists. Right. And so that's the first one I do that. I mean, I don't think about God all the time, mm-hmm. even though it's my job. <laughs> um, that's what you make, what you make now. I know. If you did, it more <laughs> if, often, if, if I thought more about God, I'd make more money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like reverence or, or what the Old Testament will call a fear of God, a, a am I walking in the path of God constantly? We never think about that. That's not a huge part of our lives. The second internal input uh, is the la- our lack of dealing with pain and, and uh, heartache, right? And uh, hurt, past hurt. You know, the church has not been good at making room for that. And we see it as weakness. And I think that's slowly starting to change. You know, I think more and more people are embracing counseling and things like that. But for so long, it's like, hey, if you're wounded or hurt or, you know, keep that to yourself. Like, don't bring that filth into the community kind of a thing. Um, so any any sort of pain, anguish, you know, uh, the, the, there's a saying that in, in your darkest moments, that's when the devil attacks, or that's when the demons attack, is what it is, right? I, I think, what's his name said it? Oh, no, Will Smith. Uh, 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 but he got it from uh, after he slapped Chris Rock. <laughs> it was, but he got it from Denzel, yeah, who got Denzel it from Washington. somebody else. Yeah. Den, you know, it's in your darkest moments, when, when you're hurt the most, is when, um, when demons attack. Uh, which I can't, I can't remember who said that quote, but... Good on Denzel for being like Hollywood's pastor, yeah, I guess, right? <laughs> uh, and yeah, and the only adult in the room. The um, <laughs> him and Tom Hanks, they're like, I feel like they're like always in the back drinking whiskey, like these like idiot these children. Morons. Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, right, and so not the lack of dealing with pain. Um, and then the other one is digital. You know, uh, I, I was looking up digital inputs. Um. Barna Group, which is like a Christian research organization, put out a study that average millennial committed Christian millennial consumes 3,000 hours of digital content per year. Of those 3,000, I don't know how many hours in a year. Does somebody have a calculator? Uh, 
There's 525,600 minutes. Divide by 60. 8,760. 8, so 8,760 hours. So uh, let's think about that. There's 8,000 hours. 3,000. So about a third, right? More than a third. Close yeah. to you. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, so it's like. For, almost 40 percent yeah so it's almost 40 percent of your year is consuming digital content of that, that tracks. Throw my phone higher. in the garbage i think mine's yeah. higher <laughs> of that for committed christian millennials only 150 hours or less are considered christian digital mm. content this is what i send you and jeff count as christian digital content. <laughs> tiktoks or whatever <laughs> Cringy, yeah. cringy Christian right. TikTok. Um, That'd be a good channel. Yeah. <laughs> cringy cringy Christians. Christians, right? But so, but you have to think about that. And this is not just for Christians. The digital content that we consume, uh, whether it's like news, <clears throat> podcasts, uh, YouTube videos, whatever it is, the digital content we consume obviously is is contributing to uh, or influencing you in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember when uh, there used to be a podcast. I don't know if it's still a podcast. And it was pretty good when it first came out. I, I it, it got weird, but it's, it's called the Liturgists. Mm. Was like the first like deconstruction podcast. Them and Bad Christian, but the Liturgists was like really good at the beginning. But then they got like super weird. And I know a bunch of people who were like, "Yeah, I, was, I listened to Liturgist podcast and I lost my faith." And I was like, "No duh," <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, I could see that happening, right? And then there are the external ones. Uh, and we've talked about some of these that cause deconstruction, the broken trust of faith leaders, mm -hmm. you know, your Mark Driscoll's, your Bill Hybels, your Carl Lentz, your Carl Brian Lentz, Houston. Brian Houston, unless you trust them to do nasty, dirty things. <laughs> but yeah, um, but I think the biggest one obviously is uh, there's also the growing uh, plurality of secular ideas that's taking place, you know, identity. Think about like five years ago. They, like the identity stuff, like sexual identity and gender identity, that was it was like fringe, but it wasn't like a thing, right? Like five years ago, like nobody really talked about it. But then you like fast forward, and it's like the biggest thing on the face of the planet. And so the 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 growing plurality of ideas, secular ideas, whether it's politics, opinions, identity, sexuality, whatever. But then you get uh, probably the biggest one is what has caused deconstruction in, in young people is that they just, there's not discipleship in the church, mm. right? It's what uh, Bonhoeffer, um, speaking of the Germans, what Bonhoeffer calls uh, cheap grace, which is, uh, it's a faith that doesn't cost anything. It's, it's a Christ who died for like nothing, right? It's a, he he says it's 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 a faith that's sold on the market like cheap jack wares or like dollar store toys. It's something I could just oh it broke I could just throw it away mm -hmm. right. Um, and that only happens when when you're not in community, mm. not actively being discipled or making disciples, um, walking with somebody struggling with the ideas right. But I don't think that it ever comes down to. Uh, the gospel, right? Have you ever met anybody who's like, yeah, I don't, yeah, Jesus, man, you know? Like, I changed my mind on that part of my faith. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I, I changed my mind because of Jesus. Like, yeah. 
or I yeah I walked away because of I feel like the only time gospel it happens is poor teaching of the gospel or mm-hmm. you know, misunderstanding of it. Mm-hmm. But like coming down to the roots of it, there's plenty like atheists even that like I've seen online and other people are like no oh, I like I follow the teachings of Jesus yeah. I don't believe in God though you yeah. know like that kind of yeah. thing is like yeah. get, I mean you can get on board with the gospel yeah yeah <laughs> so I do wonder like like what do you guys think of like what because it is it's a really bizarre uh period to be in where like what do you think is like you know these are like inputs things that can cause it but if you had to say like what's the number one thing that would cause maybe in you or because I never went through a deconstruction phase. I just kind of just kept renovating. Mm. I get an, like an idea would come in, cause me to think. I change my opinions, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I've never like been like, oh man, I don't know if I have faith anymore. And yeah, I just never active interior decorator. <laughs> active interior decorator. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Reworking that room. Yeah. Which feng shui is best? <laughs> Honestly, for me, it is the stuff that I've, I've already brought up. is just the deconstruction of what I was taught that I I feel like is not actual gospel. That's like my big thing. That's why I, I dig into it more and more, and that's why I got so, mm-hmm. I think, involved in wanting to do this kind of stuff and talk about it is to help people going through the same thing to reconstruct their yeah. viewpoint rather than walk away from the faith yeah. and understand just because you heard one thing doesn't mean that's how it is. You know, that's, yeah. you know. Um, I definitely, uh, mine is, was definitely surrounded around people. Um, we had, when I was young, my dad had an aneurysm and a couple of strokes at the same time, brain aneurysm. And my mom suddenly had that to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were part of a church community. All of my dad's siblings were supposedly christian uh and there was nobody like nobody yeah like no nobody came down (laughs) like even his family wasn't hardly there you know it was just so i just remember thinking how can they how can people just let like let my mom go through that basically like without like she had to go back to work but there you know there's just a lot of things so i think it was just like people who i mean really the the community like letting you down in those moments um, which probably says a lot more about why I am the way I am now. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think that was kind of what I, what made me realize it is like, well, if we all uh, like, this is what the church was supposed to be doing is like yeah. supporting each other, lifting people up, taking care of people that when they need it. And there was a little bit of that, I think, but yeah. it, the hard part is the, the, you know, that situation didn't go away, you know? And it was like, it was hard for, a very long time and it was like you get the immediate help and then yeah like people drop off a couple of casseroles and then there's nothing yeah <laughs> after that like, oh thanks and then uh, a little lasagna <laughs> but it made was like a, a made by a irish person <laughs> exactly um <laughs> but i think it was just a uh no realizing that yeah the scandinavian <laughs> lasagnas <laughs> like i think for me it was people letting you down in that way that were supposed to be part of your, that faith community with you. And then on top of that being shut down every time I asked questions, yeah. like at a very, at pretty much the same age, mm. kind of just turned something off altogether for me. Yeah. Um, where it felt like fit, like faith 
and the faith community were mm-hmm. both letting me down at the same time yeah. um, to where I was like, oh, maybe this just isn't for me. And then I later, when I was still kind of, I mean, I never didn't believe I had a lot of like anger <laughs> towards yeah. God at the same time for those same reasons. Uh-huh. Um, but then later when I, once I was older and found a community that was much more uh, surrounding and like yeah. supportive, I realized like, oh, that's just who was around in my life at that time and not like a, like all people, which is Uh going to, I mean, that's just, people are going to let you down regardless, which I also learned as I got older. Um, So that's not exclusive to Christians, (laughs) but I feel like that's the big point though, is like, I think most of it comes down to people and and the inability to separate people from the thought of Christianity, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. in theory, the representatives should be the people that show up the best and they are the, often most of the time the people that show it the worst yeah and to separate the two is very difficult so mm-hmm. when people see that failure in people it's easy to say well screw this faith it doesn't make sense the people yeah. that are in it don't care don't believe in it don't even yeah. you know follow suit to it so why would i stay in this yeah mm-hmm. and i think uh it comes you know the church has been really really bad about actually being what the church is i mean i think we we're and plus we're in such a highly individualistic culture that uh, when when you have that, then community already is lacking, right? Because it's all a very Randian, um, uh, individualistic individualism, um, and there is a uh, at the same time we are focused heavily on having somebody do stuff for us, mm-hmm. right? Look at our society now; it's it's even we're so like angry when the government does or doesn't do something. And it's like, yeah, you expect them to be for you <laughs> or, you know, like you expect the go- like that when the government does something, it does something bad, but we expect people to do stuff. And that's including in the church. We want to be served. We want somebody to teach us things. We don't want to have to do anything. We want to be comfortable. And that's like ripe for one. You're not growing spiritually. You're not making or being discipled and you're just, you know, it's a house of cards, really. You know, the second that, oh, evolution is real. What? I thought six days, then your whole house of cards crumbles. Mm-hmm. Um, but going to like the point, and we've lost this idea. Eugene Peterson wrote in a book called Something Thunder. Can't remember what the what actually the the title it's it's two or something thunder um son of thunder but he wrote this about christians being terrible people uh and i love this quote he said when christian if you don't know eugene peter he wrote the message you know uh he's a pastor uh was he's dead he said when christian believers gather in churches everything that can go wrong sooner or later does do you find reverse thunder reverse thunder Everything that can go wrong sooner or later does. Outsiders on, on observing this conclude that there is nothing to the religion business except perhaps business and dishonest business at that. Insiders see it differently. Just as a hospital collects the sick under one roof and labels them as such, the church collects sinners. Many of the people outside the hospital are every bit as sick as the ones inside, but their illness, uh, their illnesses are either undiagnosed or disguised. It's similar with sinners outside the church. So Christians churches are not as a rule model communities of good behavior. 
They are rather places where human misbehavior is brought out in the open, faced, and dealt with. In other words, the church, as Jesus says in Mark something, Mark chapter 2, when Jesus says in Mark chapter 2 that I've come not for the healthy, like a doctor is not for the healthy but for the sick, so I've come for the sinners and not, you know, the righteous. And I think we've lost that sense in churches that, hey, everyone's, yeah, we're all idiots. We're all jacked up. We're all sinners. Let's stop pretending we're not, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think that is where we get into like judgmentalism. We get into uh, all of that. And I think that contributes heavy. Well, yeah. And that's kind of what, when I was like asking all of these questions, you know, it's not like I was asking hard hitting theologians. I mean, I asked about purgatory and was shut down, but I mean, it was more than that. I mean, it was a lot of like, Hey, I'm not sure this makes sense. And at the time I was going through confirmation. Were you watching lost at the time? No, I never watched lost actually. I've watched the first two seasons. It's not worth it. Uh, (laughs) I was in confirmation and it was a two year thing. And at the end, you're supposed to stand up in front of everyone and become an adult in the church and proclaim all of this faith stuff and do all of that. And I was, so I was asking questions of saying like, Hey, this is a, cause to me, it was like, it's a big deal at the end yeah. of this for me to make these, you know, proclamations, if you will, and to like over and over again, be shut down by it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, then there's clearly not a space for me here. If, yeah. if we can't even ask questions or if there's some like theological glass ceiling that I'm not, I'm not aware of where yeah. we're separating like the righteous, like the, yeah. you know, people and, um, Yeah, I think just not. I was like, there's, we all have stuff we're struggling with. And then to just, it kind of made it feel like, well, you shouldn't even be asking those questions or struggling with that. And like, this is just the way it is. So I think that led to a lot of realizing once it, I, I, once I realized, oh, it's actually fine for me to not be sure that my faith was actually much stronger. Yeah. Um, but a lot, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. get to the the point of no, 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 don't ask questions, don't do this. And so then they say, they just leave it all yeah, and walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think in our culture today, um, John Mark Comer, again, I think it was in a different talk. If you don't know who John Mark Comer and you're listening is, he was the pastor of Bridgetown Church in Portland, Oregon. Now he does something else. I don't know. He writes books or something. Um, but he's no longer the pastor over there. Um, but he very smart, very bright, but he once again, uh, another talk about deconstruction. He said, you know, there's, you know, deconstruction existed like in the time of Jesus, like Jesus deconstructs the Jewish faith, you know, he can but he does, he, he deconstructs the Judaism of his day by using scripture. Right. Sermon on a mount. Yeah, so remember the mouth. He says, "You you hear it written, but I say to you, right." Um, so he's using scripture to deconstruct kind of how the Jewish people are living their lives of the day. Today we don't do that. We say, "You you see it written, but culture tells you this," and so we start judging our faith based off of cultural norms and realities rather than using our faith to judge those cultural norms, rallies and be like, are those actually beneficial? Like Paul was onto it. Paul was like, everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. 
Uh, and I think we, we are so concerned. We, I think we talked about it a few, few weeks ago, a few casts ago, uh, where I think we, there is a fear. We 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 fear our lack of acceptance. You know, like if we believe this thing, like eventually Christianity will become, if we go down this trajectory, will become the taboo thing. And that that's fearful, right? Yeah, I feel like just recently it's, it's about there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially conservative Christianity, yeah. you know, but yeah. it's a, and so we fear that. And I think that plays a, a big role into how we, um, what we choose to, uh, if we choose to stick around with our faith or not, the influences, oh, culture does this, and they look like they're having so much fun, <laughs> or whatever, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I just don't, I never, it's, it's when people leave the faith, I say, yeah, I don't see it necessary. I don't see, uh, what are you leaving it for, you know? Yeah. Like, what, what are you replacing the God-shaped hole in your heart with? <laughs> <laughs> So, but you what know. do you, so what do we, what do we do? Like, obviously there's, there's spaces like this one where we're having mm-hmm. open conversations about different aspects of faith. Yeah. But if you, uh, if you are actively deconstructing or kind of yeah. setting things on fire, or if you've left completely because yeah. of previous deconstruction, like how do we, like what? what do you do with that? Yeah. You know, or if you know someone who did, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, not that this is like a, how to fix every person you've met that walked away from the church. Yeah. That's not what I mean. But I mean, if you're, if you are in fine, if we find ourselves in conversation with people who are in that space or we find ourselves in that space, like what, like what comes next from yeah. there? Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, pointing them to a good podcast or, has to be a good one, like like ours, like ours, or but like knowing, like except episodes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but if like they're like read certain books, listen to certain pastors, people who can help address some of the questions that you have, especially if you don't aren't around a community that allows you to ask questions. There are plenty of great books and great teachers who could help you re like think through those big questions. And, you know, I was watching somebody the other day who's like, yeah, you know, I, I've lost my faith because of like evolution versus creation. I was like, one, does anybody like still believe in six day creation? Like that's like every time someone's like, probably, yeah, I'm sure there are plenty, but, there are. but there's I like, yeah, but there's, that's such a, I think that's a minority of Christians now. I think so many people have moved beyond that. Be like, oh yeah, you know, here's there's so many so much good teaching on Genesis happening in a lot of churches. But I heard I was like, oh yeah, like what books were you reading? Like, did you even like reach out to say, hey, is there a different opinion? That's one of the things. It's like if if our house of cards are based off of certainty, right? If our faith is based off of certainty, then sure, you're gonna lose it at some day. Like if you're like, I'm so certain about this you're going to lose your faith. Your, your faith is going to crumble because your certainty will be challenged at some point. And so don't have certainty. I mean, so many people quote like Hebrews 11, one faith is being sure of what you hope for certain what you don't see. Um, and in English it's, it's now faith is the assurance of things hoped for in the, or the, in the conviction of things not seen. Now those obviously not written in English, written in Greek, that word assurance is hypostasis, which means substance or foundation of 
So faith is the substance or foundation of things hoped for. And uh, the conviction, that word is actually rebuking, correcting, or reproofing. Hmm. So it's the re, or what could be easily said, it's the rethinking of things not seen. The reproofing, the Hmm. conviction of uh, things beyond us is what that means. And so faith is not about certainty. In fact, it's more about pursuing consistently. Mm-hmm. Right. And if your faith is built not on the pursuit of God and the pursuit of godly truth, and it's only built on certainty of what you think are biblical facts, then your faith will crumble mm-hmm. someday. Because there's no such thing as a biblical fact. <laughs> there's biblical truth, but facts are. Uh, I think we've probably talked about that before. Facts are, uh, it's hard to come up with a fact of ancient Hebrew from ancient Hebrew into modern American English. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's arguably why the Bible is still pretty around. And yeah. Use, I mean, yeah. it it grows and moves and you can and throw things at it, change. Yeah. You know, I, would, I feel like it's flexible uh, to a point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Pete yeah, ends. Uh, of it. Yeah, I mean, Pete ends does a great. Uh, underst- he he said this one thing once. He wrote it in his book, I believe it is a book on this called "The Sin of Certainty." Um, was it "The Sin of Certainty"? No, it was a book on the. No, yeah, it was a, his book called "The Sin of Certainty," which we're hoping to have Pete ends on the podcast at some point. But he wrote this. He said, the Bible must be thought through, pondered, tried out, assessed, and if need be, argued with. All of which is an expression of faith, not evidence to the contrary. And yet, people having different uh, arguments with things that are in the Bible causes huge Mm -hmm. uh, like divides between people. Yeah. (laughs) And between churches. Oh, Sorry punched my mic we got we're, we're driving down the street in a chrysler 300 <laughs> <laughs> just punching my mic yeah um yeah but instead of just saying like what can we take like what can we learn from this text yeah. we have we and i i mean i grew up with it like yeah this is the way the truth you know like yeah. this is it like yeah. this we have to believe what everything that's in here um and that there's no adaptation or just mm-hmm. like morality things to learn lessons to learn um, yeah and the belief you believe certain things in the bible differently yeah right uh you believe matthew chapter 5 sermon on the mount Mm -hmm. vastly differently than you believe psalm 21 yeah which is a poem yeah you know there are different kinds of types of belief that that take place you don't have to have the same kind of but i think a lot of people don't who grows up hearing that as a, as the option, right? Like it's just, no, we print, we live our lives by this book. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an End instruction manual. <laughs> right. I heard, I heard a pastor say he was actually preaching at Stephen Furtick's church. <laughs> uh, Matt Chandler was, uh, is a pastor. I'm not a huge fan of Chandler, but it was actually, he went to Stephen Furtick's church and he was like, uh, he's like, I am not here for your happiness. I'm here for your joy. And then he said, one of the things that I've noticed about this church is that you think the Bible was written for you. It, no, you think the Bible is about you. 
it is not about you. The Bible is about God. <laughs> and it was just like, like <laughs> Dang. yeah. Uh, and that's something that we have to realize. Like scripture is not about, it's not an instruction manual. Mm. I hate it when people are like, this is instruction manual for life. No, it's not. Yeah. It is not an instruction manual. And if you, if you use it as such. Yeah. How you're making life even harder. Yeah. Then <laughs> it mm-hmm. needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and just causing issues with your with other humans that are just not necessary. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. it's it's the scripture is here to teach us the mind and the heart of God. It's not to tell us how we ought to live our lives. And if we do, we get to heaven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So stop deconstructing. Start reconstructing. Renovate. Reconstruct Renovate. your deconstruction. DIY. <laughs> And there's a couple great books. If you want to, if you want to check, if you're honestly like in a deconstruction phase, there is good ways to deconstruct. And there's a couple, two really good books I will recommend. There's After Doubt, which is by A.J. Swoboda. Um, it's different than Faith After Doubt, which was Brian McLaren. It's called After Doubt. It's by A.J. Swoboda. S W O D O B A. No, B O D A. AJ Swoboda. Yeah. That's a really great book. Um, also a guy from Portland, Oregon wrote it. Yeah, really great. The second book is a book by Brian Zond called When Everything's on Fire. Uh, he wrote it in 2021 or he finished it in 2021. Uh, excellent. But you want to talk about deconstruct? This guy goes into all the philosophy of deconstruction. and We can put links in yeah, the yeah. show notes. Sure will. Put them, put them right there. Yeah. Meaning, there they go. I yeah. will later. So, is it last question? <laughs> is there a point where uh, reconstruction? I mean, deconstruction. Yes, I guess reconstruction is a, a point where we should stop doing that, or say we've, or is it a is a constant for the rest of your life? I mean, I think we're con- we are constantly deconstructing things, right? We're all, I guess reevaluating. Mm-hmm. We're constantly reevaluating things. But there does come a point where uh, the philosopher Paul Ricoeur, uh, who describes another French guy, I'm assuming, who describes this thing called the second naivete or naivety, however you want to say it. Uh, and there, it comes a point in time where uh, there's the first naivete, which is like your child, you're a kid and you believe in Santa Claus. You're just naive about the world. You just believe in everything like Hey, if you stare into the microwave, you're going to get cancer. Like you believe those stupid things, you know? Um, is that not true? That is not true. <laughs> did you think that's true? I'm just no. My wife did up until like four years ago. I don't think I was there's t- ever a point where I was told it was not true, but I think I just stopped caring about that. So if it was cancer. It's was 100% not true. It's mm-hmm. radiation. Like radiation only requires your eyes. Yeah. Looking at it. <laughs> like don't. <laughs> who cares if you're standing next to it or something? Uh, anyhow. <laughs> goes in through the retina. <laughs> uh, anyhow, it's a muscular cancer yeah. only. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, so there's a there's a first naivete. Then there's a second naivete that happens, according to Ricor, that um, you've ex- you've you've investigated your faith, you've reevaluated your faith to such a point that you begin to just embrace the the seemingly paradoxical nature of faith in the mystery of the world. You see this in like older dudes all the time where they're just like, yeah, like older wise, like pastors who just like, you know what? 
yeah, just believe. It's weird. There's stuff that's hard. I don't get it half the time, but I just do. But that I think that one of the best, again, it was such a heady book, but one of the best kind of talk throughs of that was in Faith After Doubt. Yeah. Through that, like it's give it a chance and read it. But like, that's where I think I got caught up in the understanding. Like that was the heat of my, my quote unquote deconstruction area mm-hmm. when we were reading that. And I was like, but like talking through the stages of points where you can be in the faith walk and everything like that. Like to me, when you're stuck in deconstruction, it feels like I'm not getting out of this. This is like yeah. a happy place. Things are making sense. This is just insane. Blah, blah, blah. I got to tell everybody about this, you know, and that's, that's where you get stuck in and not realizing, Oh, there's more steps past. Yeah. Past that. It's yeah. okay to keep moving. Yeah. And I think at some point you do have to embrace the mystery. Correct. Right. And I, I, that's, I think that's a much more comfortable place to be than trying to search for facts. Just embrace the mystery of the universe. Um, but yeah. Cool. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, you know all the things. I won't bore you with them, but just find us on uh, the website, christianeapodcast.com. Uh, you can find all of our links. Send us messages. Um, again, as per usual, send in stories. Uh, we have fairly, we have a decent amount of listeners. I see the numbers there, but nobody writes to us. So if you guys can send in some stories that you want to go over, we'd still love to do a, a stories podcast. Tell us any weird things that happened at churches to you guys, things you uh, find crazy, questions you have, doubts, um, things that you'd like to hear talked about that maybe we haven't talked about yet. Uh, shoot us a message on our website. There's a little spot to send us a message. For everybody who's written in to uh, suggest people that we should contact, thank you. Keep doing that. We love it. Uh, we are reaching out to people. They don't always get back. We don't have the biggest podcast yet. The best way to do that is to share it and listen, uh, share with your friends, share with uh, anybody you know, and we can hopefully keep growing and get more exciting people on here too. Um, so keep sending in suggestions, stories, uh, all that stuff. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, the more chatter, the more we know we're not just talking into the, the air. Abyss. The abyss. Um, so keep that up. We appreciate it. Uh, anywhere you can rate us is great. It's five stars. That would be wonderful. Um, otherwise, you know the deal. Keep questioning your pastor, your church, your faith, and your deconstruction. Um, keep asking questions. Just keep doing that. It's okay. Uh, for now, I'm Jesse. Evan's in the bathroom. <laughs> and I'm Jen. And that was Christian AF.